Good day and welcome to the ESPN Media Conference Call with Teddy Bruski. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn the conference over to Allie Stoneberg. You may begin. Thank you, Noah. Hello, media members, and thanks for joining us on the phone. This afternoon, I'm joined by ESPN NFL analyst and three-time Super Bowl champion, Teddy Bruski. Starting tomorrow, you can see Teddy and his ESPN colleagues at the IDS Center's Crystal Court, They'll be appearing on live studio shows like SportsCenter and NFL Live throughout the rest of the week. And before we go to questions, I'd like to invite Teddy to share some introductory remarks. Hi, everybody. Just welcome to the call. Um, This is my ninth year now being an analyst for ESPN and also my ninth Super Bowl. So I guess um, I've I've enjoyed covering my former team and see them do so uh, successful. It uh, makes my job sort of easy, but the New England Patriots and Philadelphia Eagles are both two great teams. I'm looking forward to the game, and um, I'll open it up for questions. Thanks, Teddy. So we'll start off with Joe Christensen of the Star Tribune, and then we'll go to Josh Dubow with the Associated Press. Hi, Teddy. Uh, thanks for doing this. Teddy, can you hear me? I yeah. Can. Uh, just, just wanted to get your take on Rob Gronkowski and just what, what makes him such a, a difference maker for the uh, offense, and how different is that offense when he's in there? Um, the difference is the one-on-one matchup, I believe, or sometimes the two-on-one match matchups. Um, for a defender, it's it's when the ball's in the air. You know, it's it's well, it's more than that. Well, I'll, I'll start first off by he's such a bully. You know, bully coming off the line, and he knows how to be a bully to get separation. I mean, I know he's, I know he's been called for offensive pass interference, but he's gotten better over the course of his career and being more subtle about it, using that off arm when he's breaking to his left, using his right arm or vice versa the other way, just a a little chicken wing, and when it's Rob's arm, it's not a little chicken wing, it's a little bit of a, you know, he gets a lot of separation from that. So learning those subtle subtle uh, intricacies of his route running, getting separation, and when the ball's in the air and you provided um, a good defensive snap where you're close to making a play, he's just bigger. You know, his radius is just so long, he can jump. Um, he's also got speed that his hands are incredible also. So all-around challenge for any defender it is to to guard and be successful for him because sometimes you just have to hope to make the tackle after he makes the catch. We'll go to Josh Dubow, followed by Chad Finn with the Boston Globe. Hey, Danny, just uh, wondering, what makes Tom so good in, in the late-game comeback situation? Why does he seem to thrive in that? And just as a defensive guy, it seems like we're seeing more and more of these big comebacks in playoff games, maybe recent years, whether it's Patriots in the Super Bowls or Titans this year or Colts and Packers we've seen in recent years. What, what do you see as a defensive guy? Why we're seeing more of those? Um, I think this is where the experience factor comes in also. I mean, going through the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, this was, this was a new experience for them. And I almost got a sense at times that you get a little lead or you get in the game and they expect that, you know, it's 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 either in hand or it's over. I got that sense against Jacksonville, almost like we got the lead on them. We've, we're, we're established the running game. We've made some stops or whatever, and then they 
unexperienced teams in those situations will taper off. They don't understand that the game keeps going and going and going until it's over. So when Tom, with, with that experience with Tom and the New England Patriots, have just been in so many big games that they know it's never over. The Atlanta Falcons last year. I mean, it's it's just so many examples of inexperienced players that are, that are on a big stage thinking that the other team is going to fold. Well, the game's long. Even though there's five minutes left to play and you're up by however many, there's a lot of situational football to understand, to anticipate, to think of the situations that are coming up if you score, onside kick, you don't recover, things like that, that a lot of inexperienced players don't have. We'll go to Chad Finn, followed by Courtney Cronin with ESPN NFL Nation. Hi, Teddy. Uh, Belichick, Brady, and, and Robert Kraft have been together 18 years now, which is a remarkable length of time, even without including the success that they've had. Uh, you were here for sort of the beginning for all of them. Kraft was still a young owner. Uh, Bill was the defensive coach, one of the defensive coaches your rookie season and later head coach. And you were here when Tom uh, showed up and emerged. I, I'm curious what your impressions of each of them were uh, as young, uh, in your younger days and, and when you first got to know them. Yeah, um, early on, early on, I, I had, with Tom especially, I mean, seeing him when he come in, he was, I don't want to say an afterthought, but he was, you know, the second or third quarterback behind a quarterback that just got a $100 million contract in Drew Bledsoe. So um, while Tom was playing that role, I think it was great for him to, you know, that when you're in that role as a backup quarterback like that, you become you you come in situations with the team that the starting quarterback you know usually isn't in terms of whether it's locker room you have less responsibilities and you're spending more time with your teammates uh, you're in a different place in your life you don't have kids um, the different role so Tom got really close with a lot of us that weren't those um, you know those big money guys who will so. It's been a pleasure for me to see Tom from when he came into the league all the way to what he's progressed to because of during the early championship run, it was just different than it is now. I mean, Tom Brady is what he is now, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time, but back then <laughs> he was just someone I enjoyed intercepting in practice. So that's the way it was back then, and that's where I sometimes I – you know, I still see him that way. You know, he's a good friend of mine. I mean, I realize where he is now. Don't get me wrong, but uh, just that change of role, that role reversal, was has been a pleasure for me to watch because from 2001, even when I was with him in 2007, the team flipped. The team flipped from that team concept, defensive running game, you know, situational football, and that was still there, but the offense just ended up surpassing everyone else like in that 2000, 2007 year. So and we came to the point where you're getting up off the bench to watch him throw to Randy Moss. And that's a, that's quite a transformation. Um, with Coach Belichick, he was quiet in the meeting room. Um, when, when he spoke up, you know, you were sort of surprised, like, whoa, who's that? And all of a sudden he had something to say about an offensive lineman or a play, a screen play, and... I'd look back and only knew him as a defensive back coach, but as a rookie, I was thinking to myself, oh, that's that Cleveland guy. <laughs> you know, it was from that all the way to where 
you know, becoming my becoming uh, my head coach uh, two coaches later after Pete Carroll, of course. But um, it's been a pleasure for me to watch the progression of even Robert Kraft and Foxborough Stadium to Patriot Place and becoming a, such an influential owner. Uh, it's been a great ride for me to watch. We'll go to Courtney Cronin, followed by David Ferreira with NBC Sports Boston. Hey, Teddy. Just wanted to know what, just wanted to ask what you've noticed about Robert Kraft and the role he plays in sort of keeping the big three of himself, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, operating at high level. Huh. Well, what he does to keep them operating at a high level. Um,. I don't know how much an owner, and there are things that he does and decisions he makes, right, but I'm coming at you from a player here, and I never, you know, I didn't really have an owner to help me operate at a high level. You know, did, did, did he provide provide the facilities, everything that I needed? Did I have a relationship with him? That was nice to have, yes. Um, but in terms of him helping Bill Belichick achieve this, you know, greatness that he's achieved. I think he's been a support system. Um, I think he's been, he's provided that team with what they need um, facility-wise, which has been great. Um, you know, it's a standard he he helps set. But Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and those are those are self-made men in my opinion. Also, I mean, it, and when it comes down to football and things like that. I mean, you separate all, you separate yourself all from facilities, from owners, from NFL leagues, and all that stuff, and it all just comes down to football. We'll go to David Ferreira, followed by Karen Gurgian with the Boston Herald. David, do you want to check your mute button? Noah, can you help me with that just to make sure he's able to speak? Okay, let's go to Karen with the Boston Herald, please. Hi, Teddy. Hi, Karen. How are you? Good. Um, um, could you put into context, I mean, the the – the team is vying for its sixth title, which I believe would tie them with the Steelers. And Tom is also vying for his sixth ring, which would tie him with no one. He would be all alone on uh, on a Mount Rushmore all by himself. Um, they don't talk about these things, of course. Um, but what? can you put it in context or in perspective for me, the greatness that is. Oh, um, well, it's hard to suppress success. It is. It's um, it's um, it's really a mental struggle because there comes a point where you know whether fatigue sets in, age, complacency, um. You thinking that you've done enough and you slacking just a little bit on your preparation or building a team or 
maintaining your body or, you know, things like that. It's how easy is that for all of us to just take it easy. You know, one in four, that's enough. One in five, that's enough. It, it just doesn't stop. It's an addiction. Winning becomes an addiction. We really experienced that in 2007 where we just wanted to win all of them. And I guess the best story I can tell about Tom is in after our Super Bowl 39 victory against the Eagles, ironically, and we were at the Pro Bowl. And when you're at the Pro Bowl, all the teams get announced and the Super Bowl champion is last. And it was just Tom and I and Richard Seymour, I think it was, and Vinatieri and Izzo, just the Pro Bowl representatives that year. And Tom looked at us and he and he said to us, nobody's ever won three in a row. And it was silence amongst all of us and we sort of nodded our heads. But also in the back of my head was like, man, we haven't even gotten our rings yet. <laughs> we haven't even played the Pro Bowl. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey man, just take it easy. Let's enjoy this for a little bit. He's already thinking about winning another one. You know, it's it's just I just I look I think about that story. It's like man, I mean, I'm still sore from the game. You know, it's just that way. It's just that way for him. I think it's that way for Belichick also. That partnership that they have that it's never enough, and I don't think it'll ever be enough for Tom because if they do get six, all he'll be thinking about is seven. And mm-hmm. maybe he'll have that time to reflect, like I have. You know, you're, when it's over, it's over. You can just, you know, I remember walking out of that facility and almost felt weightless because it was over. You know, but that's not coming anytime soon for them. But that's just the way they feel about it. Especially, I know from Tommy about it's never enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Teddy. Sure. We'll go to Mark Maskey with the Washington Post, followed by Ben Gessling with the Star Tribune. Teddy, it's 16 years now since since the first one. Um, well, what are your most vivid memories of, of that game that week? Sort of everything went in, that went into that uh, the, the victory over the Rams that kind of started all of this. Um, well, you know, you do have moments where you wonder if you can do it. You know, I mean, way back then, um, when you're when you're an underdog like we were, and there's so many things that happened for us to get there. You know, the AFC Championship, two special teams touchdowns to win. I mean, how often does that happen? You know, things like that, the snow and the Raiders, and how we won that game. I mean, so I can I understand the perspective of where the Philadelphia Eagles are coming from, but back in that that 2001 season. Um, It'll always be my favorite moment. You know that that that's. It's almost like you have a secret. You have a secret when you're the underdog. That we have a secret no one knows, and they'll 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 find out about our secret come Super Bowl Sunday, and that's how you feel if you're you're the you're the underdog. And you know from being that underdog to 2007 and winning almost all of them, the New England Patriots. You know every role has been played in terms of you know. Being an underdog, seeing if you can repeat, winning three out of four, trying to go undefeated, so many different experience experiences that generation and this generation has experienced in terms of different type of mental challenges. It's um it's it's, it's it was just a remarkable ride for us and I'm so so proud to continue to watch this team because I guess starting it all people 
let's come up to you know myself, Willie, all, all that group, the group of guys that started it all, and they expressed their appreciation. And you know how how hard it was to break through, but it is also extremely difficult to maintain. And it's what they've done, and I think I'm I have a right to say maintain and almost surpass in terms of what they've done in that organization since since that we've all left. So an extreme amount of pride that I try to have even when I'm on air talking about my former team because it's 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 very, very fun for me to watch. We'll go to Ben Gessling, followed by Brian Costello with the New York Post. Yeah, Teddy, uh, what if you could put your finger on it, what is the template to beat uh, the Patriots and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and how much of it do the Eagles have? Um, okay, I mean, you always – everyone starts with getting with Tom, getting pressure on Tom Brady, and can the Philadelphia Eagles do that? They do. But they do it in a different way, and it's a different, and it's a different formula, I believe, because you say you have to get with them with four – but in the fourth quarter, if you only have four, they're exhausted. You understand what I'm trying to say? The yeah, definitely. Playing, the emotion of playing defensive football in the Super Bowl, you're gassed in the fourth quarter, especially if the New England Patriots are throwing it over 40 times a game. Because you're so emotional, you think you're rushing so hard to get Tom Brady on a five to seven step drop to sack him that you're doing that every single time and half the time there are three step drops and look passes but you've expent, uh, you've used the same amount of energy. So, but Philadelphia with them rolling in these five, six and seven guys long coming off the bench, those type of contributors, that rush should be fresh for four quarters. There. So that's a big plus for the Philadelphia Eagles. I really think David Phipp and those spe- David Phipp, who's the uh, special teams coordinator, always comes up with plans to make one big play throughout the game. So the way he schemes blocking punts, the returns, those type of things, I think they're a very good special teams unit, and I think a big play out of that special teams unit is going to be needed. But offensively with Nick Foles, You've got to see him for what he is and the way that he's been playing the last few weeks, and it's been spectacular. His completion percentage, his accuracy, um, how it's just clicked for him. And I've been on that Patriots defense where we've gone up against a lot of a lot of quarterbacks who people think this guy's not any any good, but it just clicks at times, and you get beat. So Nick is definitely that type of quarterback. The way he's playing right now, if he keeps playing that way. I mean, this isn't going to be Patriots can't just roll that helmet out there and they see that logo and these Eagles are going to go flying away. It's not going to happen. This is a good football team. We'll go to Brian Costello with the New York Post, followed by Eric Ekholm with Pro Football Weekly. Hey, Teddy. Uh, there was a story a couple weeks ago by one of your, your colleagues at ESPN about some, you know, kind of some strife between Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady wondering, yeah. you know, what you thought of that and how how long do you see this partnership continuing now with Tom at 40 and Bill at 66? How long can they keep this going? Um, strife, conflict, 
disagreements, confrontation, I think there has to be in a in a healthy organization. <laughs> um, I didn't. It didn't catch me off guard. Um, you know the fact that you know the relationship is between um, Tom Brady and Robert Kraft. In my opinion, you know there, you're not really going to have a close personal relationship as a player with Coach Belichick. I mean, he's not. You're not going to go out double dating and have pizza and a beer. It's only going to be about winning football games. So, if there was any strife or disagreement or anything like that, I mean, it didn't surprise me. Yes, I read the story. Is Bill still probably hard on Tom during team meetings? Absolutely. He has to be. He can't change. If he's changed from the times that I were there or his players notice, I mean, you're treating this guy different than anyone else, all of us, all of us else, and you're saying that, you know, you're preaching one thing, but you're not acting on it. So he has to keep consistency in terms of how he, um, treats his players. Now, you, there are some, there are some, you know, you got to understand who your quarterback is, and the relationship changes. There's different type of dynamic there than maybe a backup offensive guard. I understand that, but you know, still, I know Bill's a hard coach. Was trading Jimmy Garoppolo very unbelichick like to me? Absolutely. I, don't, I was surprised when, in the in the matter of a season, I mean, his quarterback room was depleted to one guy. You know, I mean, I know Hoyer came back, but you spend so much time and. Jacoby Brissett, and then also Jimmy Garoppolo. I was surprised about the trade. I don't have any inf- any inside information on that, on what happened or anything like that. But it was surprising to me. How long do you think they can keep going, Teddy? Well, I just don't see them stopping anytime soon. I mean, it's the well-oiled machine tom brady is is playing well still at the age of 40 i know i think tom brady is at the point now where he can't get any better he's maxed out he is not going to get any stronger his arms not going to get any stronger he isn't get going to get any more athletic where he can scramble for 20 30 yard gains that that's not going to happen or anything like that he's not going to get any smarter he's not going to see any defenses that are new to him they're going to whoa i've never seen anything like that before you know, so he has maximized his ability, which is rare as a professional athlete. That's why he's won so much. The only thing Tom can do from now on out is become more accomplished. He's the greatest quarterback of all time, and he just has to—he'll just keep adding to that, to that sort of resume on all of his accomplishments. That's where he is. The way he's been able to maintain that—that's what's so amazing to me that lack of any drop-off in terms of where he is mentally, how his body is still performing for him. You know, that's what's amazing to me, to be 40 and still playing like this. Thank you. We'll go, we'll go to Eric at home, followed by David Barron with the Houston Chronicle. Hi, Teddy. Yeah, it's Eric. Um, ask about another Eric, actually, Eric Mangini, uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Um, he was kind of in the position Matt Patricia was in, is in now, sort of seen as the, uh, you know, the next sort of smart coordinator who's going to go on to be a head coach. He had a couple opportunities, didn't necessarily make the most of them, but, you know, he's out of the league and hasn't had a, a job in the NFL a couple of years. I, I guess my first question is, what was your experience with Eric Mangini, your impressions of his coaching ability? And also, do you think there's an opportunity at some point for him to kind of reemerge in the NFL as either an assistant or possibly a head coach one day? 
Well, I liked Eric very much. He was one of my favorite coaches. I mean, I thought he did an outstanding job. You know, him and Belichick, when they were together, you know, the relationship seemed good. The the defense was was playing very, very well. Um, Eric seemed like a very, you know, very good up-and-coming young coach. You know, he goes away and he fails, but I, I would absolutely hope that he would get another chance. Um, you know, I, that coaching that coaching sort of mentality, you don't just turn it off. And I can assume, I would only assume that he would want to keep coaching and want to get back in the game. I think the way, the knowledge that he has and the way he coaches players, I think he definitely deserves one. Thank you. Yeah. It looks like David has disconnected for the moment, so we'll go to Debbie Emily with the wrap. Hi. Um, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Great. Um, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about the main big players, Brody, Belichick, Gronkowski, Falls. Who do you think are going to be the dark horses to emerge from this Super Bowl? Um, well, the second most celebrated, the second most accomplished, you know, I guess, player on the New England Patriots is Matthew Slater. And a lot of people don't talk about him in terms of his special team's value and the way how valuable it is just to down a punt, which he's done so many times this year inside the five-yard line, um, the way he can neutralize the best cover man on the other team. So we have big returns. You see a big return by an Amendola or another returner, and there's Slater, the one that, that neutralized their best, their best cover player. So the way he runs down on kickoffs and, and covers kicks an aspect a lot of fans don't watch. They just see the tackle and say, okay, here comes the offense or here comes the defense. But for the New England Patriots, I really think uh, Matthew Slater is, um, is a huge part of what this game will be. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, you've got to look at not just their starting four on the defensive line, but um, I mean, when that fourth, that, that fifth rusher, like a like a Chris Long comes in, or one of those substitute rushers that comes in when they come in fresh, and all of a sudden someone's making a big play. It's you know it's a, a good chance that they weren't a starter. You know they're a third down rusher or something like that. Those type of players can usually have huge impacts in this game. Great, thank you. Sure. We'll go to Tim Twentyman with Detroit Lions, followed by Andre Johnson and with TSJ Sports. Hey, Teddy, I'm actually going to switch it up a little bit here and ask a linebacker play question, if you'll indulge me. Um, you know, I don't know how much you, you saw of, of, of Jared Davis, the rookie here in Detroit, but, you know, had 96 tackles this year, led all first-year players. But, you know, at times this season, especially in the middle of the season, really struggled against the pass. I'm curious, how often do you see that in young players? And if you do, why is that? And, and is it something Lions fans should be concerned about, or is that just something kind of linebackers play through learning that part of the NFL game? Well, what's consistent usually from the college game to the pro game is you know, your reads your reads in terms of reading linemen. Fundamentally it's it's it is very consistent. Is the run game a little bit different but but still you end up getting those reads down usually soon because of your background and all the different runs you've seen at the college level. So that's why you're able to 
play the run almost, in my opinion, um, very early if you're a good young linebacker. When it comes to the passing game, for younger players going from going from thinking about the, the run and then shifting quickly and recognizing it's a pass to then recognizing route combinations, thinking about the down and distance, who the threat is, where you should double, is it zone, is it man, are there post-snap adjustments, that's where all of the intricacies come into play. Because when the ball is snapped and it's a run, you look at a couple things and boom, you go and get it. When it's a pass, there's so much different um, sort of the, the football equation you have to go through is what I'm trying to say. And it's what took me a, a long time also in terms of, and then, so then early on in your development, you just think about, all right, I have to get to this point where I'm supposed to drop to. So you end up learning that. But after that, once you get there, is another, like a third level aspect of it in terms of what am I, what am I seeing in front of me? And then what do I anticipate what's behind me? And then I haven't even talked about when you're man-to-man and the various techniques against all the various ch- challenging running backs and tight ends you could cover. So it's natural that it took that, that's taking him a little bit longer. Um, but that's something a good young player like that can e- eventually come in his second year or third year. Thank you so much. If you don't mind me sneaking in another one real quick, I'm curious what you think of Matt Patricia and what kind of a head coach he'd be. Uh I'll sort of answer this the same way I answered this about Mike Vrabel is, you know, Matt, Matt Patricia is a good friend of mine. He was a great coach, you know, a great coach for me. I mean, his knowledge is well talked about. Um, I can give you a firsthand perspective of how he relates to players. He can push them. He can be their friend. You know, he can tap them on the button and he can, he can chew them out. He can do all that stuff. A lot of things, different things come into play when you're a head coach. I understand that. There's a lot more responsibility. How much do you choose to delegate? Um, you do have to have some separation now. You can't really be that same guy that you are in that linebacker room. Players have to look at you as a head coach now, too, that there's a little bit of a more of a aura of power, if you will, knowing that if there's something, something wrong has occurred, that head, that person, that head coach will take action. I can't guarantee you what type of head coach he will be. I just, well, I'm just trying to tell you, he has all the tools, and I respect him tremendously. I anticipate him doing doing a good job. I just don't know how long it'll take him to settle into the role of being a, a head coach because it's something he's never done before. Thank you. Sure. Unfortunately, we just have time for one more, and that question will go to Andre Johnson. Hi, Betty. How you doing? Hello. All right, so you talked about earlier how the Patriots have played different roles from being the underdog to them being on top. I'd like to ask, what are some of the challenges after having won a Super Bowl? And then what are the challenges of getting back there, and how hard is it to get back on top if you um, after falling short? Um, you want me to compare the two after falling short or going back-to-back? Back? I'm sorry, like, what are some of the, after winning, what are some of the challenges of getting back there and how hard is it to get back, um, to win a second and win a third? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's extremely difficult. It hasn't been done by a lot of teams, you know, and I understand that. I think really the main thing you're fighting is yourself because once you've 
experience something that's a dream come true. You get there, and it's some people get there, they reach the top, and then they start to come back down because they've realized they've accomplished everything that they want to accomplish. It's hard to really ask yourself to forget about what you just did. <laughs> it's hard to say, that was great, now I want another one. So that's why after we won our first one, we lost. We lost our first one. We lost. The, we don't think we made the playoffs the next year, and that was really a learning experience for us. Then we go and win two others. But having that experience of that feeling, man, after we won that first championship, you know, it was you were riding high for so long. You know, you do get complacent. That's what you have to fight, and that's what we learned, and that's what this team has also, you know, been a huge. Um, I mean, they've done the same things, which is a testament to their mental toughness. So you're really fighting yourself mentally, fighting human nature. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you to all media members who joined us. Thanks so much to Teddy. If any media members have questions on ESPN's coverage this week, you're looking for a schedule or something else, please feel free to send me an email, and I'll certainly do my best to help. But have a great rest of the week.